This episode of the Good and the Bad and the Geeky podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at www.audibletrial.com forward slash goodbadgeeky. Audible.com. Over 85,000 titles to choose from for your iPod or MP3 player. Warning! The podcast you're about to hear is very filthy. We say naughty words you would use as an adult anyway. It will cause you not to eat your vegetables and your mom generally thinks it's a bad idea. Any moment of the show that has any similarity to the history of any person living or dead, real or fictional, to real events are entirely unintentional and coincidental. Unless we're specifically noted otherwise in the cast and crew credits, all celebrity voices are impersonated and no celebrity has endorsed any aspect of the show. D4K Studios in Columbus, Ohio. It's the good, the bad, and the geeky. Hey everyone, welcome out to episode 179 of the good, the bad, and the geeky. I'm Nick Nitro, and uh, not along with me as always is a very old, dear online friend of mine. Um, I've known her since I was 13, which would probably make you how, uh, probably a few years younger than me. Um... God, that was a long time ago. Uh, but a good friend, Constance, and she is a huge comic book uh, geek. And uh, of all, in general, she's a geek in general, which is all, and she's a doctor. So if a, so, if I start having a heart attack mid podcast, she'll probably be able to save me through the phone, which will be pretty cool. That won't be cool. But Constance, welcome out to the show. We greatly appreciate you uh, stopping by to talk shop with us. Uh, thank you. Please, please don't have a heart attack. Uh, uh, I'm I, not good at. at- Chest compressions over the phone. Yeah, yeah, that would be, yeah. Well, you can tell me how hard to slam my body up against the desk, and that will be, that will be a good revival technique. <laughs> this is not actual medical advice. <laughs> no, yes, this is not sound medical advice. Uh, heard today on the Good the Bad Geeky. By the way, if anything on tonight's show, because uh, we'll probably forget to, and by wheel, I really mean me, We'll forget to uh, plug it later. 614-364-4088 or goodbadgeeky at gmail.com. You can email or write us and talk to us about your thoughts, feelings, and share whatever. It doesn't have to be about Spider-Man. You can just tell us what food you ate for dinner. I mean, that would be awkward for us because we don't really care. But um, we'll we'll try to care anyway. So anyway, uh, one of the reasons why I have Constance on the show is not only is... Do her and I go way back. Um, matter of fact, you are uh, you and like one other person are one of the few only online friends I actually have. And we met in the AOL Marvel chat rooms of all places a long, long time ago. And every once in a while, I, I will always check in with her. And she is always telling me some really cool, nerdy, geeky thing that she's doing, um, which is full of awesomeness. And then I w- it was p- accidentally I ran into her at Megacon. Which you actively work at, correct? Yes, and and ran into is a good term because I don't actually sit still for that entire weekend. Yeah, um, <laughs> I do. I uh, I'm, I'm privileged enough to um, to work on the floor for Megacon one weekend a year when they're uh, during their live show in uh, in Orlando. Oh, and it's uh, so much fun! By the way, Megacon is actually one of my favorite comic book conventions ever. So if you ever go out there, I go to Orlando. Around February or March, depending on. I think next year it's February. I could be wrong on that. It's uh, it's in March next year. Oh. And uh, give me one second, and I'll give you a give you a, a shameless plug for megaconvention.com, Booyah. which is the 
the website and is it's funny because it's the weekend. It's the weekend that I have off from work, um, and if my brain weren't so addled, I could tell you what that is. Oh, it's, uh, <laughs> take your time. You're fine. You're fine. But make a convention while you look for that. Make a convention has. Uh, well, one of the things I learned by going to make a convention is that all the artists, if they're not in in L.A., they're actually migrating more towards Florida. So MegaCon is a big place to meet a lot of, of great comic book artists and, of course, uh, to other media artists as well, whether it be in movies, film, well, that's the same thing, uh, television, uh, and much, much more. So it's really cool. Um, and, uh, and we have a mobile website this year, which is neat. We launched that last year for the first time. Uh, my friend Ben and I, who's also a staff member, did that along with Kristen, another staffer. So we're working on making that even better. Uh, the mobile version. It's not live for this year yet, but it will be by March. Damn. What What don't you do, In by the way? In my spare time. I, I'm sorry? What don't you do? I, I Just to throw it out there, because you're a I doctor. I can't double. <laughs> you can't double. <laughs> I cannot I cannot juggle. And you know, I had a professor in college who was, who was bent on teaching us all to juggle, and I just I just couldn't juggle. Pretty pretty sad, actually. Uh, I mean, yeah, because you're so versatile. And I never amount to anything because I can't I can't juggle. It is March 15th, 16th, and 17th at the Orange County Convention Center, Hall D. Megaconvention.com. So if you'd like to uh, book your flight now, go check out the tickets, buy them, book the hotels, and fly your ass out to Orlando, Florida. Uh, have some fun with comic books. Movies, film, and also you can Disney World's right there too. That's fucking awesome too. So there you go, megaconvention.com. That's funny. I was just thinking. I wonder if I can swear on this show. Apparently, I can. Um, it's oh. uh, it's fifty eight dollars <laughs> and four cents for three days if you buy online. Save some money. Well, I yeah. Well, that see that's and it was. I just remember I was going up for a booth because I didn't have my badge and I was like. Because she even, she casually mentioned it to me because I was saying, you know, because I knew she lived in Florida. I was like, uh, you know, there's a comic book convention every year. She's like, oh, yeah, I occasionally work it. I might be there this year. I might not. It was like three years ago, and, and I, I had to go get my badge. And you were, like, literally running in, and, and I was like, are you Constance? And she's like, yeah. And then you had to book it real quick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's kind of how, that, that's kinda how it, that goes. No, exactly. Uh, yeah. Totally. <laughs> I, I and I get it. And as a matter of fact, the fact that you even stopped to even say hello for like a minute, um, she didn't book it that fast. She was like, "Oh, hey, how are you doing?" But I mean, you, you, I could tell like you were really, you had, you were stressed, had things to do, and uh, but uh, no, make a convention is awesome. You're one of the reasons why make a convention is awesome. Um, you make it help run smoothly, so you should check it out. But uh, she is tons of awesome, and especially when it comes to comic book stuff. And the other night after I got home from my midnight screening of The Amazing Spider-Man, which, uh-huh. right, <laughs> your screen name, can I, can I tell you what your old screen name is? Is that, is that okay, or is that too far? Oh, that's, that's all right. Okay. You used to be MJ Gray, Mary Jane, I think Nate Gray is why you had Gray, right? Oh no, that was that was a that was a Phoenix reference there. Oh, yeah, okay, Phoenix reference. So MJ Gray, and then I was just like, um, so obviously, yeah, she, yeah, she can hold her own in comic book conversation, and she posted on Facebook. It's like, what did everyone think of Amazing Spider Man? And like three people all at once, it like literally, I think it was like what forty two comments, and then you moved it to because I am the one who was like spoiler alert. And you moved to another post, and we kept going with that one. And, and that was a very heavily commented one, too. And finally, everyone was like, we're all tired. We've got to go to bed. We'll talk about this tomorrow. And, I was uh, actually uh, I was having a text message conversation at the same time with a buddy of mine who lives up in New Jersey who was not currently on Facebook 
while we were chatting, and, and he and I were chatting. Oh, so, I mean, yeah, it was, it was just some spidey awesomeness until about 5.30 in the morning. <laughs> which, which, but, and you saw, and see, this is great, is now I've seen now, I've seen it twice, and I've seen the 2D version and the 3D version, and you saw the 2D version. And- I did, and unfortunately for me, because I think that I lost something in the translation from 3D to 2D, um, 3D makes me horribly nauseous. It's 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 something that happens when my eyes and my brain don't agree about where my head is, mm-hmm. um, and it gives me horrible vertigo. Uh, it's the same reason I can't go in fun houses. Um, <laughs> wow. Well, I, I, well, that's the thing is, and also that's a general complaint in, in general is that it, it hurts people's eyes. They get motion sickness or vertigo from it. Um, and what's very ironic too in this situation is that Spider Man is is high up. In, the, in you know he's skyscraping, web slinging down the landscape of New York, so you know that could also be a problem. And if you add 3D to that, it could be very, it could be very bad. And uh, and also a lot of people think 3D it doesn't really work. And I'm of the opinion I'm in the middle. It really depends. Like everyone loved Avatar when it was in 3D, and I I do I I think all the stuff with human interaction was great. But once they got into the you know the outside world of wherever the hell that planet was. Um, it, it became very, you could tell it was all CGI. So, um, I'm pretty sure that came out when I was in med school because I didn't see it. You know, it's, <laughs> I, honestly, I don't, I didn't, I thought, I thought it was just one of the, it was just a typical action movie. I didn't think it was all that in a, in, in a bag of tricks. I, di- I didn't get it. Um, I mean, it was okay, but it, yeah. But I remember that was the big thing is that Avatar is like the best 3D movie ever made. And I'm just like, uh, like the stuff in the beginning with like actual human interaction before they go into the Navi CGI world, it, it, it's fantastic. It looks like you're right there. But then once you get outside of that, then it just looks like a, a George Lucas. It looks like Star Wars Episode One, which is just looks really hokey and fake. Um, but uh, Spider Man though was some of the web slinging stuff was shot in 3D um, or IMAX 3D, I think even too, and. When I saw an IMAX 3D, some of the, the, I mean, it was sort of Michael Bayish a little bit, a little bit. It was very close counter, or as you noted in one of your comments, video gamey, like first person point, uh, first yeah. person. Yeah. And that was cool for a second, but uh, it was, and if you add 3D to it, um, it I would say it would have been horrible for you. It, it was cool, but like it did give you a little bit like, oh shit, like this is what's going on, which is cool. I mean, that's why I play the video game of Spider-Man 2, especially, which is my favorite, one of my favorite video games. If I would get stressed out, instead of, like, playing something where I would kill something or kill zombies, I would always play Spider-Man and web-sling around New York. You know, if I wanted to catch a criminal, just but just web-sling around New York. So some of that was sort of neat, but then it was just like, oh, wow, I'm sort of getting sick because it's really shaky camera, and then, like, it really looks like it's down below. Like, it looks realistic, I guess. Um, See, for me... Um, as an obnoxious motorcycle rolls by. I, uh, <laughs> sorry about that. You're fine. I really wanted to see from this movie the same thing that I really wanted to see from the other Spider-Man movies. And what I wanted to see from the Avengers and the Superman movies, and, and even to a lesser extent the Batman movies, because I'm not a huge Bat fan. Um, wow. I wanted to see a comic book move. And that's, that's something that I love. I love seeing characters that I've put voices to in my head mm-hmm. move. Because I, I don't know how you read a comic book, but when I read a comic book, there are gaps in between action. You know, a, a person starts one place and they wind up in another place, and there's some dialogue in between. And your brain kind of fills in the gaps. Your brain says, okay, well, they, they clearly walked there, or they, they clearly took a Quinjet, or, you know. Sure, yeah. Your brain, your brain fills in the pieces. And I was really looking forward 
to not filling in those pieces. Like I, I wanted to see a comic book alive and moving. Mm-hmm. And and for the most part, this film did that better than any of the other three before it because Spidey looked like Spidey, and eventually he moved like Spidey. And yeah. I, I thought it was kind of cool that he didn't get the quickness right away. Yeah, that he was kind of clumsy and and unsure of himself and sticking to things inappropriately. Um, but uh, the first person stuff would just take me right out of the film. Yeah, um, I, the I, same the same with the three D. It would I would be really enjoying myself like I was really digging the fight with the lizard in the hallway mm-hmm. of the uh, of the school. I, yeah. I thought, but incidentally, I thought the best part of the lizard was his tail. Yes. Um, it looks the best out of all of them, but I was really digging it. And then, you know, there was, there was Stan Lee's cameo. Um, so just frequent guest at Megacom, by the way. Uh, there was Stan Lee's cameo, which was awesome and hysterical, but then that didn't even take me out of the film. What took me out of the film is when they threw that desk, and you could tell that it was a 3D trick. Yeah. And I was watching it in 2D, and I was just like, seriously, that just, it's, it's like I said about the Muppets. When they said, you know, we're not stooping to any cheap 3D tricks, and Fozzie shows up with the sporting flower. Yeah. Waka, waka, waka. Exactly. That's, that's what that felt like to me. And that show, by the way, is about my threshold for 3D. Oh, the Muppet uh, 3D? Yeah. Yeah. That's which... about as long as I can handle it. Which, by the way, that is, uh, as this is a spoiler, that is one of the coolest eye tricks if you ever go into that. The whole theater itself is a giant scam because it looks like a normal theater, but really it's like, I don't want to, I've already said too much, but let's put it this way, it's tricking your eye right when you walk in and you, I mean, unless you've been to it many times, you won't notice it. Um, it's very cool. It's, it's worth a trip to uh, Disney Hollywood Studios on its own. Oh, and I have to ask you, because you've been to Disney recently, do they sell the three Caballeros right there? Yeah, they changed it. Um, it's in it's in the Mexico Pavilion at Epcot, uh-huh. um, which either ch- stands for Experimental Prototype Community of Tomorrow or Every Paycheck Comes on Thursday, depending on who you ask. Um, <laughs> but they they changed the uh, the ride a little bit, so it's it's no longer the the three Caballeros. Now it's um, it's Donald and and the other two birds uh, running through Mexico, and and the two birds are attempting to rope Donald into performing appropriately and Donald being an angry duck with no pants doesn't want to cooperate. Um, <laughs> I, 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 it's, it's pretty great. I'd be pretty pissed if I were a duck and you made me wear half a sailor suit too. Yeah. Uh, well, I, out of all the Disney cartoons, I, I absolutely adore the three Caballeros, even though there's no real plot to it, except for it. it I just, I, I absolutely adore that. And I love all the other Disney films too, but like that one, it's like almost in a way Disney's trying to sort of experiment with little bits of the Donald Duck animation stuff of them experimenting with like Looney Tunes like behavior, which yes. and but but still sticking still keeping it Disney and uh, and I absolutely adore that. So matter of fact, uh, the all, they used to have it in a resort there. I think it's something else now, but they had something called the All Store Resort. And my mom, yeah, we have that. Oh, you still have that still? They yeah, we actually just opened a new one called All Star or Disney's The Art of Animation, which is on the <sighs> same I think. Pricing level is the all-star resort, so you've got all-star movies, all-star sports, and uh, Top Century, uh-huh. which are the three, which are three of the value level resorts. And then uh, they just added Disney's The Art of Animation, which is pretty cool. Wow. 
Well, when I was there, there was just all, all-star sports and all-star music. They didn't have movies. And I remember the big thing is when I walked outside my door, and my parents didn't plan it. They're like, it's just kismet that this happened. But they had a, a, a fountain of the three caballeros, which is – and it, I remember I was like – I thought that was the fucking coolest thing in the history of Disney. Even though I liked much more of Disney, I, I thought that was just awesome. Um, it was just so cool. But uh, I don't know why I went on a Disney tangent for some reason. But uh, no, yeah. Uh, so Amazing Spider-Man, uh, <laughs> to get back to Spidey, uh, yeah. Now, did you like the original? Well, I, I don't consider anyone to like the third film. But did you like the original two Raimi films? Or did, were they just okay? Or did you like them a lot? Or But you wanted more? Um. Or? I felt about those films the same way I felt about the X-Men films. I'm happy they were made. Mm-hmm. And I enjoyed them for what they were. Okay. Um, I, I enjoyed them because they were Spider-Man and they were on the big screen. And it was fun for me to geek out over little things. Uh, surprisingly enough, mm-hmm. I have always been a huge Gwen Stacy fan. Like, I, I, have, I have always loved the Gwen and, and Peter dynamic. Um, as, as fascinating as MJ is and as much of a, of a firecracker and as a um, personality foil as she is for Peter or was for Peter. Yeah, thank you, Joe Casada. Um, <laughs> she, uh, <laughs> I thought that despite the way that she brought out the best in him, I thought Gwen did it in a completely different, much more innocent, much more sweet way. And I've always liked Gwen for that. And so when the first movies ignored the existence of Gwen Stacy, it it, it bothered me. Yeah. Because I, I thought that that, that, that was supposed to be her time. I, I felt like that, that was something that belonged to her. Um, they, were, they were decent movies. They were decent comic book movies, and they were okay films. Mm-hmm. If you contrast that to something like the new formula that Marvel's been using with Iron Man, the Avengers, and X-Men First Class, mm-hmm. um, they are great comic book movies and really good films. Right. Like, non-comic book fans can love those films. And I, I think it's sad that Spider-Man almost had too many little in-jokes, the first set of them, that mm-hmm. people who weren't fans of the movie or fans of the franchise really had a hard time getting invested. Like, the, the development of characters, uh, of villains especially, in the second movie... Oh, really? Um, was just very, very thrown together. I think I think Sandman was in there. No, that's the third um, one. Or the third one. That was the third one. Okay, yeah. so we're talking about the cinematic catastrophe um, <laughs> at that point. So yeah. that's not even worth mentioning. But the, the character development, say for Doc Ock, because that was amazing. Well, yeah. See, you know, see I think, because, um, I, I, see, I think two is one of the, I, I mean, to me, is like I love Dark Knight and I'm a big Ninja Turtle fan so whoa hello well we've lost constant and so I'm going to try calling her back what happened there um okay uh we're we're still recording so uh well I was going to say this like I'm a big Ninja Turtle fan and so I I really like the first movie a lot and I think that's very like the comic book or at least as close as they're probably ever really going to get sadly um and uh, for, for me, Spider-Man 2 was very close to, I mean, it wasn't perfect by any stretch of the imagination. Because as you were saying, there's a lot of things that, that, that were, were missing from it. But 
It was the most comic book movie up to that point I've ever really seen that stayed true. I agree with you. Yeah, it stayed true to the characters. I mean, even though Doc Ock was a sympathetic bad guy. Um, oh, Doc Ock was amazing. Like, oh, I, yeah. And, you know, until I sit down and watch that, those films again, which, you know, don't misunderstand. I enjoyed them. I watched those films again. They have good rewatchability for me. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and every time... I find myself walking away from watching that movie thinking, shit, Doc Ock was amazing. Yeah. Um, and he was, he was a good villain. You know, not, not a good as in, like, white knight, good, positive, but good as in that's, that's how you should characterize a villain. He should have depth. He should have dimension. He should be more than just, you know, for lack of a better analogy, Hulk smash. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Which, don't get me wrong, I love me some Hulk Smash. My husband's a huge Hulk fan. Dude, but, Hulk's uh, awesome. No, yeah, I... I, I, think, I think part of it is that our, our reference point to what a comic book movie should be has officially been reset thanks to Iron Man, The Avengers, and I don't know how you felt about it, but I loved X-Men First Class. I did, too, and... Uh, See, the thing is, I don't like Tom Rothman, and he's the guy who runs Fox. And I remember getting a copy back when I surfed Ain't It Cool News like almost every single day, and now I barely check it out, sadly. Nothing against the guys at Ain't It Cool. Uh, but um, they they released a script uh, for like a, a few days before Fox told them to take it down, where the original screenplay had Wolverine as the one who died at the very beginning, confronting Gene. Um, huh. Now, of course, being Wolverine, he didn't completely die. But you don't know that oh, no. until the very end when Cyclops is the one – when Wolverine shows back up during the siege of the island and uh, Wolverine's like, I can get you close enough to her to stop – so you can try to reason with her because I don't want to see her die either. And so Cyclops is the one who behind Wolverine, who's taking the brunt of the, the, the attack, goes up and then when he can't level with her, he blasts her like he does in the, in the comic book, killing her. And then Wolverine finishes her with a gut – you know, gutting her. And – and Tom Rothman, the, 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 the ain't it cool rumor was is that Tom Rothman looked at the guy who played Cyclops, who at the time did Hairspray and 27 Dresses, but they hadn't been released yet. And he's like, that guy's a nobody. He'll never be famous. Kill Cyclops in the beginning. Uh, yeah, and I'm just like, I, uh, what? No, you don't do that. Like, the fact that they killed Professor X was just in itself a giant, uh, to me, I thought it was a little foobar, even though they ended up doing that in the comic books anyway. I, I wasn't happy with that. And and so there's rumors that they're trying to still tie first class into the other sequels or the other films. See, and I'm just like, know, you need to reboot funny it. Because I didn't think I was going to like first class. Oh, me too. I'm, I'm kind of a I'm kind of a a continuity nut. Like my uh, my maid of honor and I had this conversation on the way to my wedding when we were driving up from my graduation to my wedding. So it was like a four hour drive. We basically. Um, you know, as most brides and maids of honors do, we just talk <laughs> comics the whole time because that's that's normal. Yeah, that's um, awesome. But continue. Okay. But you know, I'm I'm kind of a I'm kind of a continuity snob, and uh, I really thought that that was going to kill. You know, I like I like my fake stories to be consistent. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> I thought that that was going to kill first class for me in a major way because. I, I knew going in that it wasn't the continuity that I'd grown up with and that I love. But uh, I, I thought it was great. I thought it was an excellent film. I thought it was a good film. My parents loved it. My parents go with me to all these midnight releases. 
Uh, mm-hmm. Except for Avengers. My husband went with me to that. And then we went and got our marriage license like five hours later. It was great. Uh, <laughs> awesome. But uh, that's how I know he loves me. He had to go to work the next day. He still took oh, me because he came out on my birthday. That is love right there. I mean, not not Avengers and marriage license, but going to work next day after. Di- yeah, that's that's awesome. Yeah, I, I picked a good one. But uh, he indulges my nerddom, and he, he wasn't upset that I wore comic book shoes to my wedding. In fact, he, he thought it was the coolest thing ever. That and that Batgirl bikini, he was a big fan of. So. I, I did <laughs> not see that yet, because I saw some of the other pictures. Like, you were, you guys, where do you guys go? One of the places, you like, went over to Europe, right? And But you were wearing an event. We went shirt. all over Europe, because we took a cruise. <sighs> yeah, it, some of the pictures were really nice, but you had the, uh, the Avengers shirt on. I was like, damn. Awesome, right there, right there. Oh, I have an Avengers shirt. I have a shirt with uh, Jean Grey, um, Sue Storm, and uh, oh, who's the other one? Gosh, I can't think of it off the top of my head, but it says, I, oh, the Scarlet Witch. And it says, I fight and heal. Yeah. Um, yeah, I totally nerded it up on my hand. And you know, everywhere else, by the way. Okay. Uh, See, that's awesome. Uh, well, I, I just got a shirt the other day. You know how they have Woot shirts, but they uh, it's another one of those kind yeah, of websites. Yeah, yeah. There was a website where the shirt of the day was, and I bought it, was, um, you know how the old Mega Man villain things look like? It was Spider-Man, yeah. Mega Man. And uh, Spider-Man was in the center. And then it was like Lizard Man, Venom Man, Goblin Man, Octopus Man. I mean, I was like, oh, f- I'm fucking sold. Bought it. And I was, it was yeah, I'm waiting that's to fantastic. get it. Oh, I can't wait to wear it. That's- that's absolutely fantastic. No, but I, I proudly display my uh, my nerddom. In fact, during my orientation, one of the things that they did to keep, you know, a room full of doctors from playing on their cell phones was they would randomly put up uh, pop culture trivia questions throughout the day to kind of keep us invested and we could win candy bars, which could be surprised even when you're, you know, a freaking doctor. A candy bar is a big deal. Oh, and. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And somebody, and they put this picture up on the screen, and it was a picture of uh, of Hulk from the last Avengers movie, and it said, "Who did Hulk call puny god?" And in a room full of academic deans, my fellow doctors, and a bunch of you know cardiopulmonary fellows, I just shouted out, "Oh, that's Loki!" Yeah, and uh, completely outed myself as a nerd on my first day of work. Nothing um, with that. Which is totally fine, and and I used my first, my only day off last week, by the way. Uh, to go see Spider Man at midnight. I took oh. I took June I took uh, July third off so that I could go home and see. Oh my! Uh, well, that that's awesome. And that, I will likely do the same for the Dark Knight on uh, on the nineteenth. I'll, I'll likely take the twentieth off because um, I get one day off a week. Wow! See, that's the only that's the only thing. That's another reason why I respect doctors is. Uh... Is you know I was telling her this before we started Priority. recording. Yeah, well, well, <laughs> no, no. Uh, now I, mean, I respect the I do respect you on a personal level for that. But even just for being a doctor, like you guys usually work just ungodly long hours. Um, somebody, somebody's gotta. No, I know, and that again, respect, respect the doctor. Um, well, well, thank you. I, uh, I, I respect a good geek. So there you go. Well, thank okay. you. Uh, but no, yeah. So, uh, how, how do we get talking to Spider-Man shirts? It, well, I mean, it doesn't matter. But I'm trying to think what was the train of thought there. Oh, uh, Mary Jane and Gwen. We're Stacey. talking about character character development and how that's right. Mary Jane did different things for Peter Parker than Gwen did, and I thought with Andrew Garfield Spider-Man, mm-hmm. like Gwen was the only choice. 
um, uh, for that Spider-Man. And, and it might be because um, Emma Stone was amazing. And I was not prepared to like her, by the way, either. I, uh, either either. It's I, all good. I, I, I didn't think that... I had the same kind of tip on my shoulder going in about it as I did about first class. I'm like, she has so many other things. I don't think she's going to be an effective Gwen Stacy. And uh, a very good actress, don't get me wrong. And I, I've loved what I've seen her in. But I didn't think she was going to be Gwen. And wow, was she ever. Yeah, she, she was amazing. She was perfect. Um, now, what did you think about uh, uh, Aunt May and Uncle Ben, who were played by Sally Fields and Martin Sheen, respectively? Well, um, since the West Wing, Martin Sheen can do no wrong in my eyes. Mm-hmm. But um, so my my complaint with this movie, part of it was the graphics, and then part of it was the writing. Um, some of the some of the writing made me cringe a little, kind of like that line in X Men where Storm says, "You know what happens when a toad gets hit by lightning?" Oh, I know the same, same thing as that a, happens uh, to everything else. Yes, I fucking hate um, that line. Oh, I don't like it. It made me, it made me cringe. Um, On a lot of levels, I I feel like they made Uncle Ben too easy. And and when you have a character that you know how he's going to meet his end Mm -hmm. and you know how it's going to go, so there's no suspense there whatsoever, you, you really have two options. You can either get it out of the way real early, which they didn't do, um, right. which is nice because Martin Sheen's amazing. Um, or you really have to make your audience invested and you almost have to make them forget what's coming. Right. And they didn't do that. And really. I felt like, I felt like they started to like that moment when, when Peter looked at him and said, you know, you're a pretty good dad. Oh yeah. I just, it just took me, it took me right out of the fact that the man was doomed. Um, which was great, which is how it should have been. But then Uncle Ben got preachy. Yeah, and like he does in the books. I thought, right. I thought Sally Field as, as Aunt May was brilliant. Like, I, I thought she was great. Um, she showed that little bit of a little bit of backbone that, you know, you, you come to find much later in her life after Ben dies that, that Aunt May has. You know, she's... She's a, she's a tough cookie. She's not just, she doesn't just, you know, lay there all the time and need to be rescued. She's got, you know, she's, she's got, she's got a spine on her, but you know, she, I felt like there, there could have been so much more done with the two of them. Oh yeah. Um, I agree. To, to make the audience more invested. And you know, Uncle Ben got, you, you forget that in the Spidey comics, Uncle Ben was so transient. I mean, yeah. he was around for such a small amount, you know? No, you're right. But he had such a lasting impact. And a, a friend of mine put it far more eloquently than I ever could, which is a habit that he has, and it drives me insane. Um, but he, uh, he said something along the lines of um, Captain Stacy's death in this film. Sorry for those of you who haven't seen it. Yeah. Um, Captain Stacy's death in this film was set up in such a way that it will have far greater an impact on Peter Parker's life and Spider-Man's career than the death of Uncle Ben. Because the death of Uncle Ben has Spider going out looking for that one killer, that one man. Right. The guy with the tattoo that I'm not really sure how anybody knew about, but that's a whole other story. Yeah. Um, it had him driven for that, and it was, it was Captain Stacy's words 
that changed the course of what he was doing. Yeah. And that was weird to me because they didn't build Captain Stacy to be a father figure for Peter. They didn't they didn't make him any sort of a of a foil really. It was just kind of a He's there. kind of amusing J. Jonah Jameson esque relationship, like you know, Dennis the Menace kind of relationship that he had with, right. with Captain Stacy. You know, that damn spider. I'm picturing like, you know, the big anime eyes with the little lines coming out of the corner and the little lightning bolt over the head with the fish shaking. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's totally you know you're hundred percent right. And and the thing is if you look at it in terms of the context of how the movie's done, like in terms of the story it's trying to tell, it makes sense. But in context of what Spider Man is, it feels very a little bit out of sync with what you're expecting. Now I, my big complaint was, and I said this on, on Facebook when we were chatting, was um, and it it just I, I mean, no matter how good Martin Sheen was, and he's he's again he's great in everything, um, uh, was the the fact, and I appreciate that everyone knows the phrase and they're trying not to say it, you know, because everyone's expecting it, but like no one said at one point with great power comes great responsibility. They reworded it, and it just. It just that does. voicemail, that voicemail at the end was the tipping point for me, because it was it was bombastic with sentiment and like sap and dripping with campy feeling, and I, I just it drove me nuts. And I thought I'm like, well, okay, well maybe they'll tie this campy, crappy voicemail that Uncle Ben's leaving Peter. Maybe they'll tie this all together. With, with him saying, remember, with great power comes great responsibility, and these are words that will resonate with Peter for the rest of his life. But no, they just left it as sappy and sad. Right. And um, you see, I felt the same way. Or, you know what, I would have even been a little bit happy, even though I didn't, again, I like you, I wouldn't agree that, that, that it meant more to him. But Dennis Leary, as Captain Stacy, in his last words, him saying that to him would have been, I, I, I just, it just really bothers me that no one ever said that to him. Or, you know, do, you, uh, do you watch How I Met Your Mother? I do, yes. I, uh, not anymore because uh, I, I realize now that they're never going to end the show and thus never really say who the mother is. And if they do, it'll probably be Ted not remembering things correctly, which is an unreliable narrator, which is – that's fine. I'll actually appreciate that uh, writing technique. But I used, to be, I used to watch it up until like the last like two years ago or a year ago. I'm sorry. Okay. So um, you saw when Marshall's dad died? Oh, my God. That was one of the best episodes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that voicemail, they did it right. Yes. It was the exact same plot device, and they did it right. You're right. Like, Marshall was like, God, the last thing I said to my father was, no, you can't take that leftover turkey sandwich in the fridge. That was my lunch for tomorrow. And Marshall's that, even though it was bummed about this. So... And then Marshall gets this voicemail from his dad saying, you know, I love you, I'm proud of you, this, that, and the other. And and it, it just ripped your heart out. And it was so effective and so perfect. And and thought you just missed. I mean, it was just, you know, you, you hear Uncle Ben. First of all, I can't hear Martin Sheen talking without thinking of Jed Bartlett. That's, that's my own personal problem. Um, but, you know, it just, it just, it didn't, it didn't tug on your heartstrings and it didn't, it didn't make you think, and, and worst of all, it didn't make you feel, which was clearly the point. Exactly. I agree 100% with that. Like, 
you could tell that they're trying to be they're trying to make you feel sad or, or uplifting like you know it feels like they're forcing it and it doesn't feel natural like it yeah because even if they even, and part of me thinks that even if they would have tied it on with uh with great power comes great responsibility i i think i'd still feel the same way I, well one part of me would be very happy that they said it but the other part of me would be like yeah they were still trying to force it though um, and and the other thing that really got me, and I think I mentioned this when we were chatting on my Facebook wall, was um, which is a great place to have a conversation, by the way. Um, which was seriously, Gwen. Like I've been a teenager, and I've been stupid, and I quote, head over heels in love with somebody. If my father was rushing into a death trap. And this boy that I kind of had a crush on and a kissed a couple of times was in there. I still probably would say I love you to my dad, especially after making a passion speech about how I've grown up worried about how he's never going to come home. I probably wouldn't tell my father to look out for this guy that I've only spoken to seven or eight times. Oh, I know. Right? <laughs> and I mean, this coming from the perspective of somebody who has been that, that stupid teenager. Um, as, yeah. as most females have, but you know, you would still say, "Be careful, Daddy. I love you." Or, you know, "Well, try to convince your father to send somebody else." Oh, I, it's yeah, and, and like the fact that see, and maybe it's just me, but I would be a little angry at Peter. Oh, just not a lot, just a little bit of that. The fact that she he couldn't save him, or something. Or just mention it. And that would have been and that would have been a nice character dynamic to bring out, a little bit of resentment there. But to have it, see that's that's more of an MJ trait. But to have Gwen like following him like a little lost puppy after her father died was was also sad on a whole different level. Well, um, I'm not saying break him up, but I, or, but I'm just saying that it, it could be a source of contention that she still loves Peter, she still wants to be with Peter because. That's how it was in the comic books. My dad actually exactly. has Exactly. She was very conflicted. Right. I mean, Grand, and Gwen never knew who Peter, that Peter was Spider-Man. She, to her right. death, never found out. But she always stood up for Spider-Man while her dad was always, was like a father figure in a way in the books. And then, exactly. and then when Doc, he got killed by the debris from Doc, Doc and Dr. Octopus attack, I mean, it was devastating to Peter. And then Gwen sort of became against Spider-Man, but then she's like, but he's doing good things, but he allowed my father to right. die. He was a very conflicted character. And it yeah. was, you could tell that Peter just wanted to reach out and say, no, he tried. No. But he couldn't. Right. And it was, it was amazing. And I think that Gwen knowing who Spider-Man was so early, um, might have, I don't know. I, I think they used the device reasonably effectively because it, it did lead to some pretty, pretty hysterical things. Um, again, that speaks more to Emma Stone's ability as an actress than anything else. Mm -hmm. But uh, I, I don't mind her knowing this early. Right. Um, but I, I think that it could have down a, a different road very easily. I was actually quite afraid that they were going to kill her at the end of this movie. I and completely waste the character. Um, well, do you think they would kill her in, in the second movie or the third? I I don't I don't know. I I think it would be a tough call between the end of the second and the beginning of the third. Right, and then also at that point, you should have at least maybe introduced MJ at that point. Because exactly, and and Betty, don't forget. Yeah. Oh, Betty, yeah, got got to introduce Betty. And, and also, and something, something else that bothered me, too, 
which is, and again, I mentioned this in, in Facebook when we were chatting, which is for some things that Raimi got right, which is uh, my, my dad enjoyed, he didn't like the, the new version that much. He, th- he thought, he thought See, that. My parents loved it. Well, I mean, he, my dad liked the film, but in terms of what he wanted from the movie as a Spider-Man fan, he thought that the that Raimi got a little bit more what, of what he wanted right. And I'm like, well, what yeah. is that? And he's like, well, it, Spider-Man had a lot of heart, and but it was also sort of tongue-in-cheek. And I'm like, it sort of is, sort of. But, like, I guess he wanted – I guess for him, Peter's only friend was Harry. After, like, issue right. one or two, it was always Harry Osborn – and, and uh, is those two against the world, even though Harry had more. I, so I think that, and I will admit, I, you, d- you do sort of miss Harry a little bit. But then again, you have Flash in there now, which they didn't really have I Flash. Wanna in- more, I want to see more from Flash. And like one of oh, the yeah. things that, again, my far more eloquent friend said than myself, is that a lot of what bothered me, because I, I was bitching about some things that happened in the film. And I was, I was upset about how some things went down. Like, like Gwen not saying I love you to her dad, or yeah. when Flash pinned Peter up against the locker um, after Uncle Ben died. It was no explanation whatsoever putting him down. Like, as my friend said, just that little throwaway line of, yeah, I don't really have a dad either. Or, you know, Flash's dad was, I believe, a raging alcoholic. Yeah. Um, which is what led Flash down that horribly self-destructive road for so many years. Um, which was always a, a, a point of pain for Peter, who wanted to save the world both in and out of type. Exactly. Um, but I, I feel like, you know, just that little throwaway line, and this, again, not my observation, um, just that little throwaway line would have made such a big difference. Oh, you know? yeah. No, I, I agree 100%. And um, some, I, there was a Vulture article uh, that was that was released the other day and uh, it talked about uh, plot points that the movie did so well for me when I watched it both times, I didn't really think about it. The only thing I thought about, and this is a huge plot point, is um, at the end of the movie, uh, Peter gets shot in the leg, and he fights the yeah. lizard with this gunshot. Matter of fact, it's what weakens him and slows him down, and it adds a ticking clock, and it's actually pretty clever, and it's really good. But then at the end, he goes home, He's just magically fine. He looks like he just got punched in the face a few times, and, and all's good. And you're just like, no, 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 wait. What about the whole thing where Peter can't get the bullet out, and he has to have someone help him get it out? Or There's none of that, which I was like, well, that was... Right, and no, absolutely. And, and well, you don't know what kind of a gunshot wound it was either. You don't know if That's it was a straight-on or a graze or a through and through. You don't, you don't know. Well, it likely wasn't a through and through, but, um, but you don't know. Like, there are lots of different ways to get shot, um... You know, come come hang out in our emergency room sometime, and I'll show them to you. But um, <laughs> I was about to say, it's like you're like, wow, you're talking like a medical professional. You're like, it's a through and through. It's a this. I was like, that is true. I mean, yeah. Oh Jesus, I I never really thought of that before. What kind of? No, there show? are lots of different ways to get shot, and that actually didn't bug me. You have to remember that Peter, um, as he grew into his role with Spider-Man, he hid everything from his aunt May. I mean. Well, he would true. come home with broken ribs, and he had webbed himself together, like literally webbed himself together. Yep. Um, he would come home, you know, with fractures and breaks and bruises. And, you know, the webbing yourself together works great until you realize that the webbing dissolves. <laughs> oh, the web shooters, by the way. Love. Oh, my God, love yeah. the inorganic web shooters. That just made me 
I just made my little nerd heart squee. Okay, uh, minor plot point. How did he afford the money to get the web shooter? Or not the web shooters, but the, the, or the fluid. Maybe he stole it. See, he was in Oscorp. That is true. And see, I thought that too. And also, but then this is a, a valid something, to, a plot point, which is what happened to the driver that the lizard was after that worked for Osborne? Remember, that was the whole setup of why the Bridget attack even happened in the first place. Which, by the way, the CGI, I don't know exactly how this worked out, but looked better in the previews than it did on the screen. And I, I do think it's because when they did it for 2D versus 3D for the big screen, uh-huh. I lost something um, in translation there. Because I must have watched that trailer 20 times. I thought it was amazing. Oh yeah, I, it's well. I was I I thought a little bit of the same thing though when I'm watching. Uh, I was rewinding something on my DVR and uh, uh, something on FX, and they had a preview of Amazing Spider-Man, and some of the effects looked better. Uh, maybe, maybe it's just the resolution. Brilliant. Yeah, it looks brilliant. But then I, I do remember the second time I saw it in 2D. I was because you said it looked sort of video gamey and not in a good way, and I I was looking at it and I was like. Some of this does feel a little video gamey. Um, I, I agree with well, you. Well, the first person shooter thing is what killed it for oh, me. Oh no, and, yeah. You know that, and and I won't even talk about the crane operators because that that just makes me upset. Um, the the what finger what the the crane operators that swung all their cranes so the spidey could web sling down the streets of New York unencumbered. Uh huh. I yeah. I really you didn't like that. No. I see. Uh, well, it would have been at the risk a, of channeling at the risk of channeling my inner Consuela from Family Guy. No, 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 no. Mr. Griffith. No, no. I, yeah, exactly. Uh, well, okay. I would have been okay if the one guy and maybe the two people that were with him did it, but the fact that they orchestrated this whole giant thing to happen, like. In context of what's happening in the movie, it's okay. I mean, you know what I mean? Because it, it's the ticking clock. It's getting him, it, He gets him. Sure. It, and, like, yeah. I am the queen of suspension of disbelief oh, and sure. denial. I mean, if you ask me, I'll tell you I still have a completely normal life. And it's a lie. <laughs> but, um, but you know, if I say it, it'll be true, damn it. Uh, but, you know, I am, I am the queen of, of suspension of disbelief. And, and I found that to be too much yeah yeah i well i okay this is um, one of my co-hosts um this has nothing to do with spider actually it has something to do with spider-man we saw spider-man 3 and it was the most awkward car ride home it was my friend nathan uh who does the show usually and uh and we he never goes see movies though and he loves spider-man too we're after spider-man 3 it's an awkward car ride home because it just wasn't a good movie spider-man 3 wasn't and even my but my dad liked it because he does he hates venom because that's not his Spider-Man character. 3 made me angry. Oh, it did me what? too. But it's that awkward car ride home where we're driving back to my, to my apartment because that's where all everyone's cars are. And it's just awkward. And I was like, so, Nathan, what did you think of the movie? He's like, I thought it was really good except for the fact that alien symbiotes can't really take over. Black ooze can't really take over another human being. And sand can't be a man. And I'm like, Okay, you like this first movie, you like the second movie, but you hated the third movie. How does that make sense? How can you suspend, suspend belief or whatever, suspend disbelief enough to see a man web-sling down New York, but a Sandman is just way too fucking far? And we got into an argument so, um, about it. But so the, the phrase, the straw that broke the camel's back is appropriate here. 
there was so much going wrong in that third movie. Oh, yeah. That I, everything else was horrifically magnified. It's kind of like if the visual effects hadn't taken me out of the movie so often, I probably wouldn't have noticed the shoddy and, and lazy writing um, in this film that, that popped up every once in a while. Yeah. Like, um, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't have have hit me square in the face, but it did. Yeah. The no. more that goes wrong, the more you notice what's wrong, I think is the point there. No, it, that's true. But I just found it funny that, you know, he... Now, granted, he also thinks that the aliens and War of the Worlds with Tom Cruise, no matter what your thoughts of the movie may be, he thought that Tom Cruise killed the mothership, and that's why they all died. Which no, is, they died because they can't breathe out anyway. No, no, I know. Um, no, I know. I know. He He's nuts. After... He's like Sheldon Cooper in a way, which is once he finds something he doesn't like. I have like. never seen that show. Are you? Oh my! Anyway, are you on. kidding me? Of all people, young lady, you have not seen that show. No, but I have a flash hoodie, and every once in a while, somebody will run up to me and yell "Bazenga," and I have no idea what's going on. Oh, and uh, <laughs> you need to watch. Somebody, this. somebody explained that to me recently, and I still have no idea what's going on. But at least now, I'm not frightened. You need to watch, even though, it, and I know why it's this, is the show is produced by Warner Brothers, who owns DC, so they do tend to slant more towards DC uh, properties in terms of their shirts and stuff, but Big Bang Theory is, I think, really good, but um, or at least the first huh. three seasons. I am definitely lost. Yeah, it's okay, but, well, Sheldon Cooper has uh, Asperger's Syndrome, um, and he actually has a number of things wrong with him, and the whole point is that they may almost make it like Maris and Fraser, which is there's so many things wrong with him. I mean, granted, you see him, but there's so many things wrong with him that you really don't know what it is. But he is very abrasive. He'll tell you exactly what he thinks. He doesn't really care how you feel about it. And um, he has sometimes, like, once something goes wrong, he, he you cannot change his mind about it. So once he started hating that movie, so he probably started hating Spider-Man 3 like three minutes into it before we were hating it when we were watching it, he turned his brain off. And so so even though Morgan Freeman at the end very clearly says of War of the Worlds, that's right, and that's when virus disease killed the aliens because they have no immune system. He just didn't hear that. He, yeah. So, but, yeah. No, there's, there's, no, there's no talking with someone like that once they make up their mind about a, a film, a book, a movie, a person. Exactly. Um. There's, there's, there's no real reasoning, and it just gets that, oh, good, I found the main road again. It just gets frustrating. Sorry, I got a little overzealous in my exploring and got kind of lost. It's okay. Well, uh, one of the things she mentioned before we started uh, recording was uh, she just moved to a new neighborhood, so she thought she, was, she would do the show walking around her new neighborhood exploring. And uh, that's, yeah, that's what she's talking about. Sorry. Continue. Um, but now I found my way back to the main street where there's civilization and Starbucks, so all is well. Oh, Starbucks. I, I like that old joke in the Lewis, Lewis Black uh, uh, stand-up where it's like, uh, it's like, why do you need fucking Starbucks right across the street from another? Have you ever, ever and at, at any point in your life, went into Starbucks with your friend and it's like, it's like, well, Joe, that was a great cup of coffee, but um, I'm, I could go for some, something else. Well, do my eyes deceive me? But look, Joe, there's, there's a Starbucks right across the street. I think I'm going to go in and have a cup. And you're just like, yeah, I don't know. I just find that to be uh, funny. But, uh, yeah, so... I live on caffeine. Do you really? So, well, yeah, you have yeah. to. You're a doctor, though, too. I mean, that's that shit's vital for your existence, I, I would assume. Yeah, it's it's, um, it's kind of like Popeye and spinach. If I don't, you know, crush a can of Red Bull and drink it in one gulp, it's, it's you know, not a Tuesday. Um, 
pretty much. Oh, <laughs> I, I love what I do. Well, no, that well, that's good. Um, that's good. You should all, people out there, you should always love what you do. If you don't, then find something that you like to do and do it. True story. Absolutely. It, it, even if it's um, web playing around New York, but um, well, I suggest I, I suggest that uh, yeah, be, be careful. Find the appropriate waivers and have a physician on call, not me. Yeah. Okay, let me ask you a question. Uh, being a giant nerd, have you ever had a dream where you thought you could realistically, again, this is a dream, not really think it out. I mean, we've all thought of it out loud after the dream, but where you were a superhero? Or you could literally be well, a superhero? Like, I'm going to be like Batman kind of superhero? Well, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure that, uh, that if I saw a psychologist regularly, they would tell you that a good bit about why I wound up being a, a physician in the first place is some sort of misdirected hero complex, mm. um, which is how most of us wind up here, by the way. Uh, contrary to popular belief, it's, it's not money or, or stature because God knows there's not enough of that to keep us doing this, and there's certainly not enough of the latter to keep us doing this. <laughs> but um, it, it's this odd, misplaced hero uh, complex um, for a lot of people. And, uh, and yeah, yeah, I'm... I'm positive I have. I mean, honestly, what kid who read comics didn't? Yeah. And I, I'd like to think it made me a healthier human being and a more productive member of society. Um, there were some good lessons in those funny books there growing are some good up. Well, um, I, especially as a girl. Especially really? as a girl. Well, that's, that's very interesting. The only reason I say that is because a major complaint with comic books in general is that they're more geared towards boys. And obviously, oh, girls. Gosh, no, you're just not reading them right. Well, no, 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 no. I don't agree with that statement. I'm just saying, overall, people seem to make that assumption. I think it's. I think the lesson can be applied to anybody. But you know, no, it's very true. But like when somebody says that to me, so I, I ran a learning center for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I helped kids who were struggling in school. It was called Tutor You, and I I ran it for the man who owned the company. And I, I loved that job. That's what we did for two years before I went back to school. And um. So through my work with, you know, with Megacon and, and with, with Beth, who owns Megacon and who, um, who I believe was a teacher as well before she went down that road. Don't quote me on that. I feel like that's correct. I'm quite sleepy right now. Um, she, you know, I had this connection to the, the comic book scene. And so I would give my students comic books because mm-hmm. that's how I got interested in reading. And... I would give these kids who hated reading, I would give them a Spider-Man Adventures or, or a Batman book. And uh, you, know, you see these kids come alive and you see them start reading. And I remember I gave one to a, a little girl once. I sent her home with this um, collected edition of The Amazing Spider-Man, mm-hmm. like the best stories. And, and one of them is, is still one of my favorite Spidey stories. And this is, again, how how emotion can be done correctly. Um, was a story where Spidey... Or Peter goes and he takes off his mask for this kid and he spends this, this entire night with this kid. He takes off his mask at the end. And, and you know, he's leaving and he's leaving the, the basically the equivalent of the Ronald McDonald house because the kid's dying um, uh-huh. at the end of the night. Do you remember that story? It, it was it was amazing. No, I don't. But, I mean, I, I, oh, I want to read it now. <laughs> it's awesome. I'll, I'll get the issue number for you. I'll send it to you. But, uh, Thank you. It, it was a... It was a beautiful story, and yeah, it was kind of hokey, but it was beautiful, and that was one of the stories in this book that I gave this kid. And 
her mother was furious. Why? Her mother was so angry. She comes into my office and she said, why would you give my daughter something like this? It just encourages the objectification of women. Um, you know, women in, women in tight clothes running around, you know, fighting crimes. You know, this is, this is not what I want my daughter to think of as, as okay. I'd given her some X-Men books too. She was like, you know, these, these women are freaks. I don't want my daughter, you know, reading these things. And, and I just looked at her and like, the only thing that I could think of to possibly say, and I won't say in my defense because it wasn't in my defense. It was just, you know, in my defense of the entire media was, well, clearly, ma'am, you're not reading those right. <laughs> like, like, the X-Men isn't about looking like everybody else. It's about being different and that being okay. Right. And, and Spider-Man isn't about punching bad guys. It's about balancing your life and balancing yourself and finding your center, which Peter never does. The people around him are able to do. Right, because, because as Peter, Peter Parker, never does. Exactly, because Peter Parker does some things that he wishes he could do as Spider-Man and vice versa. He could never really just find it and be both or be the better person overall. He's only a better person at certain times either as Peter or Spider-Man. Exactly, exactly. Well, exactly. So, I mean, to answer your question, yes, of course. Of course I pictured myself as a superhero when I was a kid. Absolutely. I mean, I did, the first time I was in an airplane was one of the best experiences of my life. <laughs> because I was like, I can fly. <laughs> well, I was like five. My dad thinks it's, it, it, thought it was absolutely hysterical. Well, um, oh, sorry. Go ahead. I made like superhero whooshing noises the whole flight. It was great. <laughs> Well, you brought up something, and uh, I think we'll end on this sort of, like, conversation. Uh, and that is, uh, is that your, what is the most emotional issue or of, of any comic book that you've ever read? Uh, and it could be for a silly reason, it could be for whatever, but, I mean, what, is it that issue of Spider-Man, or is it something else? Um, no, it, it is not. Um, God, there are so many. Um... I find it difficult. See, Jean Grey is, is my favorite character, mm -hmm. and, and nobody wrote her ever better than Louise Simonson did. So, like, that whole thing, that whole X Factor run with, like, Inferno and Scott and Maddie and Jean, it, it, it was just one of the most, one of the most gripping storylines that I, I ever read because, you know, you have Nathan in there and you have these really complex feelings about Scott and his son and his wife and his, dead but not dead girlfriend and you know those those are amazing but I think the first time I ever remember a comic book bringing me to tears um amazing spider-man I want to say 400 maybe 400 um and it was it was it was right in the middle of all that clone nonsense which was an abomination. Please don't misunderstand. I'm not in any way, shape, or form endorsing the existence of Ben Riley or the Clone Saga. Sure. Um, but Aunt May died. Yeah. And and Peter was sitting there with her, and she said to him, "You know, second star to the right." And and Peter finished it with "And straight on till morning," which is a which is a quote from Peter Pan, and um. That killed me. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I was shocked when Electra died. 
I I was taken aback. I I was stunned when Jean Grey killed herself on the moon. My heart broke when May Parker died. Yeah. Wow. Um, See, I, I I scarcely remember that. Yeah, because that was all tied together uh, from because uh, I have the issue three seventy five and three seventy six, which is when Venom turned good. Um, right. Yeah, and I have that because that was leading up to Aunt May was starting to feel sick then, if I remember correctly, or she went to the doctor because it, it ended up being something that hit sort of sudden, but like t- at least like twenty issues back, something was off with her and they didn't know what it was. I. And I stopped collecting it, sadly. And so oh, I need to I need to get that as issue four hundred of it's, Amazing. Um, yeah, it's it's a book. The front cover is actually a gray tombstone that folds out, and the background is blue okay. on the actual book. Like the tombstone's an overlay. Um, man, the things you remember, huh? No, but, um, yeah, I. Well, I can't remember the issue. It's that- beautiful and it's heart wrenching and it's so sad. And, and Ben Riley, for all of his faults and you know existing. Um, was actually stuck outside the window listening to this conversation between her and Pete. And that's the only time I ever heard of him as human. Wow. Because she didn't understand that he wasn't real, for lack of a better term. And right. that, as far as he was concerned, his Aunt May. Right. Because he had all those memories and he had all those feelings, you know, about her. And then, what you do? The whole thing got completely scrapped. Yeah. Um, and she wasn't actually dead, and it's just hate it will unmake things. Like, let con things all you want, make history fit what you want the now to be, I don't care, but don't unmake things. Don't unmake Peter and MJ. Don't unmake Aunt May's death, because it could have just as big an effect on Peter, if not more so than Ben. You know? Yeah, I like, agree with that. the ultimate Use the ultimate. Use the what if line. Use use whatever you want, but don't don't unmake. You know, it's funny. Don't unmake fake history. <laughs> <laughs> well, but I mean, it's and a that's, major that's part. That's what of... I mean by I'm a continuity snob. No, I I agree 100. percent As a matter of fact, um, I interviewed Mark Guggenheim on the on the podcast. He he wrote a part of uh, uh, one more day, uh, or not one I'm more day. Sorry. No, no, no. It's okay. <laughs> Um, it's, uh, no, actually he actually got me wanting to check it out again. He did character assassination, which was cause every time I would pick up or look at the book and some of the previews, it just wasn't, it didn't feel right. And when I picked up, I stopped reading Spider-Man because of that. And I haven't picked it up again. I got to tell you, it really bothers me that him and what happened with MJ, but Dan Slott is nailing it. Just like Jonathan Hickman is nailing fantastic four. Uh, it, it's nailing it, it's it's absolutely nailing it, yeah. Because, but character assassination made me look started to went back, maybe get back into Spider Man, even though I was very upset about uh, One More Day or whatever. And I, uh, and uh, Brand New Day is where I'm sorry, is where character assassination came into play. And, and literally, I mean, he just keeps getting the shit kicked out of him. And I hadn't seen that in a Spider Man book in a long time because Peter, that we all know when we were growing up in the 90s and forward. He was married with MJ, and he had other problems, but it was mostly just keeping him and MJ together or, or something, whatever else, or his Well, parents. and that was the point that Casado was trying to make, was that, that that made his life too good and too easy. And so that's why he unmade them. He wanted to make... I, I've actually... I, I I sat in on a panel. He was a guest at Megacon right after this happened, and uh, I, I got to sit in on a panel 
where he was addressing all these things. And he was like, I want to bring a new generation into Spider-Man. And I'm sitting in the back thinking, well, you know, I, and I, I like him. Like, he's a, he's a great guy. And I, I was sitting in the back thinking, well, that's good because he just lost the whole old one. No, yeah. I, yeah, I agree 100% with that. I, well, because Ultimate Spider-Man even, well, because the reason why I asked about the sad comic book thing was, was uh, Hickman did an issue of the Fantastic Four or Future Foundation where uh, uh, the whole, for those who don't know, uh, this is not really a spoiler because it's, what, two years now, John, Johnny Storm died. And, um, and I'm convinced that they did that because they didn't want the same character playing into Marvel franchise movies. <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I heard that too, and I agree with that. I mean, I heard, remember hearing that rumor, and I was like, that makes sense. And it, I, 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 oh my god, is he ever the perfect Captain America? Ha! Oh. Sorry, go on. No, you're fine. <laughs> Um, the thing is, what's funny is though too is I thought he was a good Johnny Storm in terms of the cockiness. I think he had that in Pretty Boy thing. He had that down, but I appreciate him a whole lot more as Captain America. He's so much better as the Captain. Um, but but no, I digress. Uh, the whole thing that caused it though was that uh, the portal to the negative zone or whatever was open or the ne- I forget what it's called. I even I have the books too. I don't even know why I don't remember it. But um, the, apparently Franklin and Veronica, Veronica the, the, the kids of Reed and Sue, uh, that, that Ben and Johnny are babysitting, they injected Ben. They created a form that made Ben human for one week out of a year. And uh, he starts to turn human right as this door gets stuck open. And they, they someone has to stay inside the door to fight him off. And so Ben has to make the decision to whatever. Well, um Franklin, for those who don't know, is like he's like the most powerful mutant in the history of the universe, and uh, he's caused onslaught, if I remember correctly, right? Or uh, yeah, it's a little more complicated than that, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So something about a ball, yes, yeah. I, if I correctly. Franklin comes back. The Franklin from the future, who will soon become the Herald of Galactus. It's really complicated, but he comes back, and. Uh, this whole thing, this whole major storyline ends in Future Foundation and Fantastic Four with uh, Reed's dad, who's been lost for years, finally coming back because he's been trying to fix the timeline. And it's actually pretty neat. Um, but they did this one, like, standalone issue where Reed just goes, Dad, I want to see what you've seen. Um, if you're going to go into the future and leave us again, I want to see what you see. He's like, well, I'm just going to be observing. And so they go into the future um, and you learn that Ben only ages uh, and gets older when he turns into a human for one week. And so he outlives the entire Fantastic Four. And it's the first time in a long time I remember getting teared up at a comic book. And because uh, it was really sad because one of the things that uh, they don't really do too often is it's all about galactical problems and inter- Wow, that's really, a, that's really a fantastic observation is that the thing doesn't age. I mean, of course the thing doesn't age. I mean, nobody in Marvel Comics ages, but... To actually take it out and 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 give them a Wolverine complex. That's kind of awesome. Right. And the thing is, is that you, they skip ahead, like, I think, what, every 5,000 to 100,000 years or something. And uh, you see, and it's really cool, uh, the thing starts growing like a rocks, a stalagmite beard. Um, and it's really cool. And I and I just remember, the, like, the last thing you see before they go into the future where he's finally died because he's finally, that one week finally aged and he passed away and turned back into the thing was uh, uh, he's staring, talking to, what you think he's talking to Ben or uh, uh, Johnny, Sue, and, and, and Reed, but he's talking to their statues. He's, he's senile. 
and he's just old and decrepit and uh franklin and reed and his dad they they can't he can't see him but it's really sad so the issue ends with uh reed going back and you know Ben starts snapping at him, and he's like, I'm going to sit here and spend some time with you drinking a beer. And he's like, are you sure, you know, brain, brain, Brainiac, because you, you could probably do something else. He's like, no, I want to spend time with you. It was just a really it, – it made me tear up and well up, and I, I, I don't remember doing that for a very long time uh, in a comic book, which, which is nice, though. I thought it was very poignant because I, I sort of teared up with uh, – in the death of Spider-Man and Ultimate, just because if you're going to see Spider-Man die, the phrase, I, I did it, I finally, I couldn't save Ben, but I saved you, that to me was a great line to end on. I didn't like how it sort of happened, but I thought, if that's, you're going to die, kill Spider-Man. That's how you fucking do it. But um, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, by the way, uh, also another reason why you got to read Spider-Island, uh, or by Dan Slott in Amazing Spider-Man, is he did something called Spider-Island, which... Uh, Peter gets to finally... I've, I've heard of this. Oh, my God. It's so awesome. Uh, pretty much... Uh, remember all the bed bug attacks that broke out in New York the past five years? Uh, yeah. Dan Slott's spin on it is that uh, one of the clones of the Jackal... Uh, or not the Jackal. Yeah, it's the Jackal. Wiles Warren, uh, Warren uh, took Spider-Man's power from the clones he created and injected it into the bed bugs. So he was trying to do tests to see how bad the bed bugs would spread, and now that they, they spread really fast, he injects, yeah, he injects them with spider power. So the entire city of New York becomes, becomes Spider-Man. And uh, he, he, I think him and like this other villain that you don't know at the time it, pay all these normal people millions of dollars to just put on any Spider-Man suit and just cause havoc. And so, yeah, and so, matter of fact, Spider-Man comes in to help the Avengers. Like, guys, I'm here, and Wolverine, like, tries to gut him and the things just like tries to just, just smash him because there's like we've heard that before already you're not spider-man and he gets the crap kicked out of him by the avengers and the fantastic four because everyone else around him is all spider-man it, it's it's just it's it's cool it's cool as hell um that sounds like fun i may have to check that out no oh, yeah please do uh it's really cool i cannot say enough how awesome dan slot is uh to me he captures what i wanted from spider-man so that that's it which is nice even though it's an that's a high phrase that's that's high phrase coming from you i may actually have to check this out now because you know i have all this um free time oh um, of, of course yeah um well i there's a, a guy i work with uh he has a very uh personality which is uh he doesn't like comic books these days because the because usually when he when we were growing up it became more about the the flash of the artistry and not the story as much like the clone saga for example and other stuff and so he became very well, you know it's funny when i talk about comics anymore i feel like i should also be telling kids to get off my lawn like <laughs> no i agree i Get off my lawn with your crazy spawn and your. Well, in, in my in my day. Oh, I know, well, right? Back in my heroes day, heroes had one chain that they waved around. You know, I, I don't know. <laughs> Back in my day, Mark Bagley drew Amazing Spider-Man, not Ultimate Spider-Man. But now kids are telling me that too. It's like Bagley, he drew him Ultimate. What are you talking about? I'm like, oh, that just that's a nice that's a nice in my heart. You know, I met him recently in really? Charlotte, and I said, <sighs> what a nice guy. See. That was one of the things that I absolutely loved about Ultimate Spider-Man was that it, like, for what I maybe it's because I grew up reading Amazing that it felt just natural and right that Bailey did. And matter of fact, when I read an, a few issues that Stuart Eminem, I can't I'm not saying his name right, but when he did it, I was just like, it's good. I'm a genius. Uh, I like it, but like Bailey, just I don't know, like he captures the soul and spirit of Spider-Man in a way that I don't think 
not many other people could they could try to get um or you know what i mean he made it his own too which which is which is which is high compliment to any artist if you can make a character like john romita jr did his own thing with spider-man and really sort of made it his own same thing with a few other artists with any other comic book character like frank miller did with wolverine, uh, with wolverine and daredevil oh no i agree yeah but um yeah, I was gonna I was gonna throw in another shameless plug there. Incidentally, another fantastic show is uh, is the Heroes Convention in Charlotte. Do you um, work Heroes Con now too? I don't. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do not. But I have a great love for that show. Um, the the gentleman who runs it has always been very kind to me and very good to me, and his staff has always been very welcoming to me. Same same with Baltimore. Um, I always I always have a great time with those shows, and I can't say enough good things about them. Heroes is. Um, one of the few shows, and, and Baltimore too, I think, that still exists that is purely comic book, um, where you're not going to get all the media guests in. Yeah. Um, as well. So, I mean, if you're looking for an absolute fantastic time, take your kids. Take your kids to the record concert, of course. Of course, <laughs> yes, naturally. <laughs> you know, shameless plug number 512. But, but Heroes is a great show, and uh, the, the whole community is actually great. So anybody that's listening to this that has kids, Take them, take them to, take them to a comic book convention. They'll, they'll thank you for it for the rest of their lives because I sure did. Well, um, out of the few comic book shows conventions I went to as a exhibitor um, or exhibitor and artist alley, I should say, um, not a normal actual comic book exhibitor. Uh, MegaCon, uh, Mid Ohio Con, which I'm from Ohio. Mid Ohio Con, I never did good sales there. It's like Artist Alley. I've never is, been to Mid Ohio. I hear it's very nice. It's it's okay. I mean, in terms of the independent artist Artist Alley, it's it's nice, but you don't make a lot of money. A lot of people, uh, you know, what I mean, unless you're a guest there, which is of course means sometimes you you get in for free or they pay you for your table as a special guest. Um, but every time I went down to MegaCon, uh, every time I've been to. Uh, I've heard nothing but great things about Heroes Con too. So um, Heroes is incredible. It is um, it is a, a family run show, you know, as is Megacon. Um, it's it's run by great people. So is Baltimore, mm-hmm. you know. And I, I feel bad because I'm not mentioning all of these other shows that are amazing. I'm, I'm only mentioning a few, no, um, and there are so many. Uh, it's it's I've never really run across a, a show owner that I, I didn't like because the people they do this for the love of what they do. Right. Uh, they don't. They don't do this for, for anything else. It's for the love of what they do. So, because there are much better ways to make money in this world. Oh, um, totally. And also less frustration, I'm sure, as as well. Oh boy, yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> oh, See, angry comic book fans are a beast like none other. And uh, I'm sure the guests, the special guests, no matter how amazing they are also have certain picadillos and requests that must be met and, and maintained, and that can be frustrating, I'm Strangely sure well. enough, I don't have a bad thing to say about anybody that I've worked with. And I've, I've worked the, um, for the past several years the comic book special guest section. Oh, yeah? Uh, so I, I've gotten to meet all of, the, all of the comic book special guests. And, you know, there's, there's a great picture on my Facebook of me with, with, uh, with, with some of these people, and, and I just... I, I love it, and I, I've never met one that was unkind to me um, as a staffer. And I've, I've watched people work, you know, talk to fans, and I'm, I'm just amazed. Um, you know, the media gets too. I worked in star signing for a while, and, and I just I have nothing but but high praise for these people who seem to really understand what got them where they are. You know what I mean? Right. No. I well, you know what's really this is the. Uh, 
we'll end with this um, since we've gone off on a few tangents here at the end. But uh, one of the fun- the coolest things ever. Now, Grant, this is when I was. Matter of fact, last time I saw you, I was much much heavier, uh, big guy, and I was lugging all yeah, my I, stuff. I noticed that. Congratulations, by the way. Oh, thank you, thank you very much. I greatly appreciate that. Um, one of my big things is I don't like putting myself in situations where I will make myself look not as good because people already have a perception towards me anyway, probably without knowing me. And so, but one of those things is, is that, uh, cliche, uh, big fat guy is going to sweat a lot and I don't like putting myself in that situation, but I have to lug all this stuff out and being lazy as typical for overweight people. I did not want to do more than one trip. So I was lodging all this stuff with me as I was leaving mid Ohio con my first year and that was the year that Chris Claremont was there from X-Men, who wrote X-Men. Yes. And Jason Mewes was there. And uh, when I'm... Most wonderfully nice people, by the way. But, yes, they are. Incredibly nice and kind people. Um, but I'm, as I'm sitting there, just sweating just buckets, I, I look just horrible. I'm just lodging all this stuff around. Jason Mewes is to my right, going like just looking at me like, hey, I remember you. What up? Like that nod, like the what up nod as he's listening to his iPod and then right in front of me is Chris Claremont, uh, uh, complaining about one of his employers and, uh, and, <laughs> and I'm overhearing the conversation. I'm going like, this is, this is fucking sweet as hell. But, and then like, but then I remember like, uh, I had to go in the elevator with these people and I'm sure yeah, it was just, just, I felt embarrassed, but I mean, it was like a fly on the wall kind of moment because I had Jason Muse and I had Chris Claremont and, uh, some other uh, Marvel guy just sitting there, just chewing the fat and talking. It was one of the coolest but weirdest things I've I've ever just you know what I mean because and secretly I'm going he, but then I'm also going oh god you're sweating horribly, so <laughs> oh yeah all the joys. But uh, well we'll go ahead and wrap this up. Uh, I want to thank Constance very much uh, for stopping by on her show to talk comic books and Amazing Spider Man and Spider Man in general. Um, well, thanks, thanks for having me. I can't imagine that anybody out there um, wants to hear anything about what I think or have to say, but I'm, I'm flattered that you invited me. No, I was talking yeah. to a friend of mine, I was like, what the hell am I going to talk about? Who wants to hear me talk for, for you know, any length of time? Well, as the listeners of our show will know, uh, I'm really, when it says the good man geek, I'm really the geeky one, uh, except for uh, my friend Jimmy who does TV stuff, but... Um, uh, John and Nathan are geeks, but in very different ways. They're very geeked out over music or, or uh, uh, YouTube videos or something like that. But I'm really the one who's geeky, like into ed- and every- anything and everything that I-, I can. And so it's more like day in the life of the geeks sometimes. But every once in a while, it's, I really like to talk specifically about comic books or movies or whatever. And um, sometimes I don't get a chance to do that. Or if I do, it happens much, much later than I would like to. And with Amazing Spider-Man, I know for a fact you could hold your own in a conversation about amazing Spider-Man, about Spidey. So, um, well, I'm happy. I'm happy to, to contribute. So, um, hopefully your listeners aren't bored to death and, uh, I haven't driven them completely crazy, but, uh, thanks for having me. I, I appreciate it. And I too enjoy, um, the, the chance to just talk nerd. It's one of the reasons why I miss Megan, who was my little sister in the sorority so much. Um, and, and my friends that live up in New York, New Jersey are because, uh, I, uh, you know, I, I just talk shop with them, and, and it's great. Oh, yeah. Wow. It's and nice. that's why I love conventions so much, because I, I fit in there. Like, <laughs> I, my dirty little secret that I don't really fit in in the world of medicine, although uh, lots of neurologists are comic book geeks. i got to throw that out there for you. So. Duly noted. <laughs> the next time I see a neurologist, I will uh, definitely uh, put out feelers for... <laughs> 
for comic book geekdom on that one because that's or 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 any other type of geekdom. Um, for the where yeah, it's it's a it's a safe bet. <laughs> I can say that because you know. Oh, yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> well, again, Constant, thank you very much for being on the show. Uh, if you any, anything you heard on tonight's show you'd like to talk to us about, uh, goodbaggeeky at gmail.com, 614-364-408. Or if you have Twitter, Twitter me, at goodbaggeeky. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll talk about it when we do our next mailbag day, and it will be, uh, it will be awesome. awesome. So thanks please, again, Const- uh, please don't send medical questions. Yeah, don't send medical oh, yeah. questions. Or, or, or if you do, I'll answer them. And I'm not a qualified <laughs> physician, and uh, that could be bad. I'm just throwing that out there. So uh, thanks again for listening, everybody. Uh, have a good night.